Hello and welcome to Main Menu for the week of June 13th, 2014. I'm Chase Crispin, and we have a pretty interesting show lined up for you this week. We're going to begin with a podcast that we're airing thanks to the Tech Doctor podcast, which you can find out more about at dr-carter.com. In this podcast, Robert Carter and Allison Hartley are going to be discussing the Apple WWDC 2014 announcements. This was a conference that happened last week where Apple unveiled a lot of their upcoming technology, including the next version of Mac OS X, as well as iOS version 8 and a couple of other exciting announcements. We will be covering these announcements more in depth on Main Menu. When iOS 8 and OS X Yosemite are released, we will have our Apple expert David Woodbridge on the show to tell us all about what's new and bring us some great demos. But this podcast from The Tech Doctor will give you a great introduction to what was announced at WWDC. We will then conclude our webinar from GW Micro on using Microsoft Outlook with WindowEyes. And though this is meant for users of WindowEyes, any screen reader user who uses Microsoft Outlook will find some valuable tips for use of Microsoft Outlook within this webinar. This is, again, the second part of the training session, the first part we aired last week. And if you would like to find this full webinar or any of the other excellent training available from GW Micro, you can visit the webpage of the GW Micro training department at www.gwmicro.com training. And we would like to thank GW Micro for letting us air their excellent presentation. Before we get into the show for this week, one quick tech announcement that we don't have time to get into this week's program. HIMS has just announced the release of the HIMS Note Taker version 8.2. This is a pretty major upgrade. It includes many, many new features, a couple new programs, bug fixes. One of the most notable features in the HIMSS Notetaker version 8.2 upgrade is that there is now a Facebook client included in the device. There have been many new commands added to make the device more usable in many different aspects. If you are concerned about security, you can now password protect your entire Notetaker or individual files on the Notetaker. There's many other new enhancements, and we are certainly going to be visiting with representatives from HIMSS as soon as we can on Main Menu. So in the very near future, you will be hearing more about the Hymns Note Taker version 8.2 upgrade on Main Menu. But in the meantime, check out hymns-inc.com. And remember that this upgrade supports most of the Hymns Note Takers. However, version 8.2 drops support for the Voice Sense and the Voice Sense QWERTY. So if you're using a Voice Sense or Voice Sense QWERTY, this update will not be accessible to you. More on that in the coming weeks here on Main Menu. We'll now get into this week's Main Menu, beginning with coverage of WWDC 2014. Well, hello everybody. This is Robert the Tech Doctor. We are here for a special edition of the podcast to have a conversation about the WWDC 2014 keynote address that happened on the day of this recording, and I think out there somewhere is the beautiful and talented Gary, along with his <laughs> owner, Allison Hartley. Are you there, Allison? I, I tell you, I feel so special right now. 
Um, and re WWDC mind equals blown. I think Gary enjoyed himself too. He got to sleep a lot today. So yeah, lucky thing. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it and uh, go through it because there's quite a bit. We'll try to make this a fairly short podcast, but there's a lot to talk about. The keynote began with a video where people were basically talking about how much they appreciated and enjoyed their apps. That's basically what I got out of it. Did you have anything to add to the intro video? Yeah, I was listening to the to the Twit coverage and it was um, very entertaining for one thing and it, it kind of helped with little descriptions of what was going on in the video. I think that, that it's a good thing that they do that at the beginning of of these conferences because it kind of rings home to the developers. Hey, this is why we do this. This is why we get up in the morning. This is why we put so much of our time, effort, and money into making these awesome apps. So I liked it. Excellent. Yeah, I thought it was a nice way to start out. And then uh, Tim Cook came and gave us some numbers, which I thought were kind of interesting. I'm just going to go through a few of them here. There's an actual decline in overall PC growth. But the uh, Mac has grown in the past year uh, at the rate of 12%. There are more than 40 million Mavericks installations. And 51% of Mac users are running Mavericks. And that's compared to 14% of Windows users who are running Windows 8, which is the latest version of the Windows operating system. I liked his little touch of humor there, too, where he he's like, just in case anyone was wondering, I made a chart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Clearly, he uh, wanted to make a comment yes. about his competitor there. <laughs> there are 9 million registered Apple developers. And at the WWDC 2014 conference... There are developers there from 69 countries. Wow. And 70% of the developers are attending WWDC for the first time. And the youngest developer there is aged 13. That was that was really cool. They went on pretty soon after that and introduced the new version of OS 10 which is going to be called Yosemite. And I actually like that name. I think that was a good choice. I think it's cool. I actually like it better than Mavericks. People know Yosemite. People, even if you've never been to California, everybody knows about Yosemite. Nobody knew what Mavericks was. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I certainly wasn't familiar with it at all until it was the name of the operating system last year. One of the first features they talked about that's going to be in Yosemite is a feature they call Continuity which allows apps to be used across devices. So if you start an email on your Mac, you can pick it up and continue writing it on your iPhone or your iPad or in any order that you choose. They're really trying to integrate, it felt like to me, in a smart way, the Mac with the other iOS devices. So I I thought that was kind of cool. At long last, I'm really excited about this. And I know they had to wait this long because they wanted to be able to do it right. But I'm so glad it's finally here, <laughs> or it's going to be. Yeah, it's it's really going to make it nice to to be able to use them interchangeably like that. I didn't really understand too much about this feature, but they said now that there are uh, light and dark modes for the interface. And I'm hoping that 
somehow that might be of some help to uh, people who have low vision. That'd be great. I personally would not avail myself of those, but certainly I have many, many friends and colleagues who are low vision and I want them to be able to take full advantage of, of the Mac as well. So, hey, if it's going to help you, that's awesome. Yeah, and more visual things. There are um, redesigned icons, and uh, there is a translucent background, and a lot of the apps now have new sidebars. The Notification Center has been redesigned uh, in Yosemite, it has a new uh, today view, and it looks apparently quite similar to the notification center in iOS 7. And it's also true now that in Yosemite, third-party developers are going to be able to add widgets to the notification center. So we're going to be able to get our sports scores right in the notification center, for example. That's pretty awesome. You know, I, I don't use the Notification Center on the Mac very much. I use the heck out of it on iOS. But on the Mac, not not as much. So I'm hoping that perhaps this will entice me to, to take another look and to utilize it a little more. Yeah, I'm the same way, and I suspect it's going to cause us to use it more on the Mac. The calendar now has a new day and a new week view, and I'm hoping that those will work well with voiceover. Me too. And of course, after we spent uh, our time uh, talking recently, and we'll eventually uh, podcast about it, talking recently about LaunchBar, which is an incredible app for quickly launching applications, doing all kinds of neat things from the keyboard. They've come out with a redesign of Spotlight, which adds some of the features of LaunchBar some of the launch bar type features um, into Spotlight now on the Mac. I personally don't think this will replace uh, my desire to use launch bar, but it's nice to see it. No, I think I'll be able to use them, you know, more concurrently together, but I, I definitely think I'll still keep launch bar around. I'm liking learning about it. Yeah. But it is nice to see a little bit of a facelift to Spotlight. Yeah, it needed it for sure. And they next talked about how it looks like to me, I don't know what your thoughts are, but it looks like to me Apple is kind of going uh, going to go head-to-head with Dropbox here because they introduced iCloud Drive, and it allows you to sync uh, files and folders across your Mac and iOS devices, and apparently there's going to be some iCloud Drive app for Windows as well. But they, they're they're going to allow users to purchase up to uh, one terabyte of storage. We don't know yet what the price of one terabyte will be, but they did say you can get 200 gigabytes for $4 a month. So That's incredible. I pay $100 a year right now for 100 gigabytes through Dropbox, and I do not think I will be renewing my Dropbox subscription because mostly nowadays I live in the Apple ecosystem, especially since it's also going to be available on Windows. There's really no need for me to keep paying for Dropbox at those competitive prices if I can get twice the storage for half the money. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not Dropbox lowers its prices. They're going to have to if they're going to want to stay around. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're kind of in a bind though because that's the only service they offer really, you know, for, for sale, whereas Apple makes its money on 
on the hardware, so it can afford probably to to offer storage service cheaper. But it'll be interesting to see how Dropbox does respond. Yeah. And, and also interesting to see just how well this iCloud drive actually ends up working. I hope it works really well. I hope so, too. There's going to be a new service available in Apple Mail called iDrop. And this solves a problem that's been a problem for a lot of us for a long time, which is the problem if you need to send someone a large attachment in mail, they usually get rejected by the server on the other Mm -hmm. end. But Apple has solved this problem, allowing one to send an attachment of up to five gigabytes. That's going to be another game changer because that's a lot of what I use Dropbox for now is sending public links to people. So it's going to be very interesting. And again, another reason why I don't really need Dropbox anymore. I think all the things that we're pointing out here are really indications that Apple has really been listening to its customer base because these are all things that people wanted. Mm -hmm. They've stepped up to the plate in a huge way and we're not done yet. (laughs) And they've made it now so that AirDrop works between Mac and iOS devices. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people have wanted AirDrop to work between with the Mac as well as iOS. So that's going to be nice to have. Yes. And this is an interesting one. If your Mac and your phone are close together and the phone realizes that the Mac is not connected to a Wi-Fi network, the phone will automatically create a hotspot. That's rule-worthy. I can think of many incidences where this could have really helped me, and in the future it will. And I love this one. Uh, You can now make and receive phone calls and send SMS messages from your Mac. That is too cool. As long as your phone is somewhere around, somewhere across the house, they said. Mm Mm-hmm. If a phone call comes in, then this happens to my wife, Vicky a lot. When she's sitting at her desk, she'll get a phone call, and her phone will be in the kitchen or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, But now she can just take the call on her Mac. That's incredible. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, Yosemite will ship this fall, and it's going to be free. And there is a limited public beta I don't think it's going to be updated with as much frequency as the developer betas, and they're limiting it to the first 1 million people who sign up. So you can certainly Google and find out more information about that. I don't have exact information in terms of URL, but I know for my purposes, I'm probably just going to become, I'm already an iOS developer. I'm probably just going to become a Mac developer as well so I can start uh, playing with the betas on on my virtual machine software. Very good. And, of course, they didn't stop there today with Yosemite. They went on to talk about iOS 8. And they talked about how the Notification Center will allow one to respond from within the Notification Center. And I'm really looking forward to that. Me too. So if you get an instant message, for example, you can do some sort of gesture and respond to that message right there. Keyboard comes up and you don't have to... Exit out of notifications, go into the messaging app, and respond that way. So that's going to be really nice. Yes. You can also access your favorites and recently used contacts by double-clicking the home button. 
And I'm not sure what that's going to mean for the way that we used to get into the app switcher by double clicking the home button, but that's what they were saying today. I think they're I think they were implying that it's going to be part of the app switcher, at least by my understanding of what they were saying. Um I can see times when I would really want that and times where perhaps I wouldn't. So I hope there is a way to hide that when I don't want it because there are times when I just want to go into the app switcher and see my apps. Right. So I'm sure there'll be a reasonable I'm way sure. for that to work. Yeah, yeah. We don't know the details. Probably of... it'll be put on a separate page or something, which will be just fine by me. Yeah. There are some new gestures in iOS mail that's going to make it easier to flag and delete emails. We'll have to see how well those work or how they work with VoiceOver. Yeah. And when writing an email message, you can somehow swipe down now and see the other things that are in your inbox. So perhaps if you wanted to go into a different message and copy something that you wanted to paste into the message that you're writing... It makes it easy to do that. And then when you've got the information that you want, you can uh, do a gesture and your the draft that you were working on will come back. So it seems like that's going to be pretty cool. It's just, just a little bit another sort of way of doing multiple things without having to exit one thing and come back to it and so forth. Yeah, it's a nice, easy way of dealing with drafts because it's always been such a pain to um, – to go in and, and find the draft you were working on before. And now you can just do this, whatever this gesture is going to end up being and uh, keep going, keep yeah. writing your message. There's a new uh, predictive uh, typing feature, which is supposed to be much smarter and much better able to predict what it is you're actually wanting to type than what's currently in iOS 7. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, I'm so dependent on dictation at this point. I don't know how much I would use that, but it'll be an interesting feature to play with. Of course, iOS 8 will support continuity and iCloud Drive, just like we talked about on the Mac. That makes everything hopefully work together really well. Can't wait. And there's now something that I've heard so many people on podcast ask for, and it's the ability for families who share the same uh, credit card to access each other's content, apps, music, and movies, and so forth. Apparently, they've made it much easier for that to happen. That's awesome. And as a lot of people predicted, um, Apple introduced um, something called HealthKit, which is going to allow people to bring their health information together in one place and even allow hospitals and doctors when needed to be able to automatically and quickly access that information. And they did stress that they are very much interested in being very careful with people's privacy, but they've found ways to do this. This is going to be a game changer. I hope all the major and not so major medical providers will will sign on to this because this could revolutionize health and save lives. I mean, this this has the potential to save to save lives. I really believe that. It does, and it's going to make it so much easier for for us to keep our medical information together and accessible. Yep, and accessible. Siri's gotten some love in iOS eight. Uh, Siri's now going to be 
able to listen all the time. And if you want to talk to her hands-free, I guess you're going to have to say, Hey, hey Siri. Siri, which I say half the time anyway. So, yeah. so, so you're already halfway there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Siri's going to gonna be automatically using Shazam to automatically identify songs. That's so cool. when you hear a song somewhere, Siri will know what it is and will make it possible for you to identify it right there and purchase it if you buy want it. to. That's neat because I can't tell you how many times I'm in a restaurant and I'm like, oh, man, I love that song. I don't know what the heck it is. That yeah. solves that problem. And as also predicted, Apple introduced uh, something called HomeKit, which brings all the home automation options under one umbrella so that your iOS device can control various things around your house. And apparently it's even going to be integrated with Siri. So you're going to be able to tell Siri, okay, it's bedtime and Siri will shut down your lights and make sure your doors are locked and adjust your thermostat, things like that. So that's, that's going to be really cool for home automation. That's going to be sweet because I have crappy light perception and Jeremy, my husband, has no light perception. So just just the fact that we'll be able to get all the lights turned off and know they're off. <laughs> yes, won't that, that be good? Be <laughs> because we don't think Siri will lie. No, no. She's, she'll be he or she will be truthful. <laughs> we hope. And uh, something that surprised everyone as far as I know, Apple introduced a new programming language for developers called Swift. I'm so glad I didn't go too far in learning Objective-C because <laughs> because now I can just learn Swift. Yes, yes. You, you, very, very good. So that is excellent. And it sounds like it's quite an efficient language for writing iOS and OS ten apps. So Apparently it lives up to its name. Yeah, it's very <laughs> Swift. I think developers were excited about it. Seemed like oh, people yeah. got a good reaction. Mm-hmm. And Apple is apparently going to allow us to use third-party keyboards now in iOS, which probably means good things for apps like Embraille and Flexi. Mm-hmm. And I did see in one of the tweets that there was a slide that very briefly mentioned um, that there would be a default uh, option for a six-dot Braille keyboard shipping with iOS 8. So it'll be interesting to play with that. Yep, I saw that as well. And I don't, we yeah. don't know exactly what... And the Alex voice, which I, I'm personally quite excited about. I like Karen and everything, but I, I have Alex on the Mac, and I'd like to have him on the iPhone too. Yep, that was the next thing on my list, was Oh, it? sorry, sorry, I jumped the... I'm just too excited here, Roger. No problem, you are excited, <laughs> and that's, that's fabulous. And the final thing that, that I yes. took note of today was that it's going to be possible in iOS 8 for us to determine battery status by apps. So you're going to be able to tell oh, thank God. which of your apps is really draining your battery. Yes, and I think that's going to be go a long way toward helping people who have battery issues resolve those problems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, some people were expecting new hardware to be introduced today. I, I personally was not. No, the, no. The WWDC is all about developers and what they need yes. to be able to create uh, software. And so I didn't expect hardware. And honestly... There's enough new stuff here that I'm not at all 
disappointed that we didn't see hardware today. You know, in reading through the Twittersphere and the blogosphere today, I noticed that a lot of people were saying, oh, well, Android has had this feature. Android has had, has been able to do such and such for four years now. But the differentiating factor between iOS and Android is, for me at least, and for a lot of people, and especially a lot of people who are blind or visually impaired, the user experience on iOS has been far superior. And I think that that's going to continue as we move into iOS Eight and this continuity with other with other Macs and iOS devices, um, I think that we're just going to see that continue. So, ultimately, it doesn't matter that Apple did not innovate per se when they introduced these features, in the sense that they are not new to the mobile space. However, they're going to be better because Apple is going to provide that far superior experience. And that's just what, that's, that's my two cents. You can take it or leave it. That's just what I think. <laughs> yeah, Apple doesn't often it come to the table first. They have on a number of occasions with hardware, with the iPad and the iPhone and all that. But oftentimes they sort of sit back and, and wait and see how things evolve. And then when they introduce something, it works really well. And, and you know, g- really great battery life is an example of that. Mm-hmm. They don't introduce things that will compromise battery life until they can bring those things without uh, zapping your battery. And, and mm-hmm. the other platforms don't operate that way. No, they don't come to the table first, but they come to the table best. And that's the important thing. Well, very well said. Oh, thank you. Occasionally well, I do that. <laughs> you, you, were, you were just incredibly articulate and concise and poignant with what you had to say there. And Passionate, I hope. I hope my passion shines through here. Absolutely. <laughs> Passions come through. So really, I think those are the highlights that I got out of today. Is there anything from your perspective that you really wanted us to mention that we haven't? No, I think we covered everything, which is incredible considering how much there was. But yeah, I think we have uh, we've uh, consolidated it down to a nice little bite-sized meal here i will say so long for now for me the tech doctor we will see you next time around and we'll try to get this out soon so you can hear all about wwdc so this is robert saying goodbye for now you all and this is allison hartley saying bye everyone Hi, I'm David Tanner, your host here on Main Menu, and I'm just coming to you today to remind you that we are always looking for folks to provide more information for us as to what they would like to hear on Main Menu. We are interested in knowing what you are interested in and would like to hear on Main Menu, and we're also interested in having people present technology information and presentations on Main Menu that you may like to present yourself. If you are interested in presenting a presentation for us on Main Menu about some technology that you know about and think our listeners would be interested in, we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas that you'd like for someone else to cover, but you have the idea, but you're not so sure whether you could cover it or not, but you'd like to have someone on Main Menu cover it, Again, we'd love to hear from you and hear your comments and suggestions. There's a number of ways you can get a hold of us here at Main Menu, and 
The probably easiest way is to come to http colon slash slash main menu dot acbradio.org and you'll find a comment place there on the website where you can leave us a note. Give us your contact information. Give us an email address is probably the best way to give us information on how we can get a hold of you. And someone from our staff, either Chase or myself, will get back in contact with you and get your information and see what we can work out. Again, that address is http colon slash slash main menu dot acbradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you soon. press my down arrow to move through the different items in the email folder tree. Mail folders drafts 2 of 8, 3 depth 2 webinar depth 1. Sent items 3 of 8. Deleted items 4 of 8. Junk email 5 of 8. Routebox 6 of 8. RSS feed 7 of 8. Search folders 8 of 8. Search folder active. So there's, there is all 8 items in the tree under my account. And I just want to point out that if you wanted to display the messages in your sent items folder. The way you would do that is you would either arrow to it. You can also use first letter navigation here, which can be a little bit faster. I'll press S for sent items. S, sent items three of eight. And if you press enter, you will select this email folder in the tree. Your message list will display the messages in that folder instead of the inbox, and your focus should be placed in the top of that list. I'll press enter here. RegimarkGWMicro.com subject my first email message sent from Outlook. And there is the message that I sent from this account. And I'm in the message list for my sent items. And just to make an observation, the views in the sent items folder are not customized like they were in our other mail folders, as I mentioned might be the case. So I'll take a quick moment here to use the View tab and the Change View item to apply my windowwise optimized view to the send items folder. I'll press Alt V for the view tab. V, view. C followed by V, Charlie Victor for change view. C, V, context menu, send to send to list view. I'm going to arrow to find my windowwise optimized view. Windowwise optimized unselected. I'll press enter to select it. Menu closed, sent items webinar outlook, read from Mark Solomon subject my first email message. I'll stop speech with control now at this point all of those view changes that I've made previously to my other email folders were applied here. The reading pane is now gone. There's no grouping. I'm all set here, ready to go. And hopefully that will give you a little bit more of a demonstration of how that can be done in case you encounter email folders that are not customized to your liking. I'm going to go back to my inbox by pressing Control shift i i Unread from Microsoft Outlook subject Microsoft Outlook test message received Friday for 11 2014. I'm going to interrupt speech there. And now we're going to turn our attention to Outlook Enhance. Now that we've customized the views and gotten a quick orientation, let me just take a step back and just mention that if you're in your tree view in the navigation pane, which I can get to by pressing Shift Tab, mail folders inbox one of eight, three depth, two webinar depth. You probably already figured this out, but if you want to quickly get back to the message list, from this area, just press your tab key. 
Unread from Microsoft Outlook. And we're right back in our message list. Um, if you were to continue the tab, there's a couple other items in the tab order that allow you to search um, the different areas in your mail folders. We're not going to cover that today. Um, it's outside the scope of the introduction webinar, but just kind of keep in mind that if you were to tab through the different areas, it's one tab loop, so you'll eventually get back to where you started, but besides the email folder tree view and the navigation pane in the message list, there's some other elements in the tab order that relate to searching for mail. Okay, let's get back to the next section of the webinar, which is all about Outlook Enhance. And Outlook Enhance is a Windowwise app that's included when you install Windowwise and provides a number of helpful features that make Outlook easier to use. Just to name two of the most popular features offered by Outlook Enhance, the first is the attachments dialog. So if you open a message that has an attachment or more than one attachment, you can press a hotkey to display those attachments in a easy to use dialog box. And then from there you can either open or save the attachments. The other very commonly used feature is called message virtualization. And let me go back to the study guide worksheet in question number eight to provide more information about this. And question eight asks, what Outlook Enhanced feature, when enabled, allows you to access email messages just like a web page using browse mode features and how do you enable this feature? The answer is message virtualization. And to enable message virtualization, you select enable message virtualization from the add-in settings pull-down found in the Outlook Enhance pull-down in the Windowwise Apps menu. I'm going to take a moment now to walk through those steps and keep in mind once you enable this feature that setting will remain so this is only something you should have to do once. I'll open up the Windowwise control panel with control backslash. Settings the screen closed one of 13 tree view depth one. I'll press Alt A to open the apps menu. A app management to pull down. Now that I'm in the apps menu on the first item I use first letter navigation to try to find Outlook Enhance. Now bear with me a quick second here. App status of app manager. Apps for running. P office and Outlook Enhance dot BB. T app starting app running settings. E okay, let me try this again. Go back to the apps menu. A app management. And I'm going to use first letter navigation to quickly jump to the apps that start with the letter O. O office enhance O pull down. I'll press O one more time. O Outlook Enhance O pull down. Okay, here's the Outlook Enhance pull down. And I'll press enter to open the pull down. Mailbox header editor, M dialog. This is another feature of Alec Enhance that we won't be covering today, but allows you to adjust what columns are in your message lists. I'm going to down arrow until I find View documentation in browser V. Add in settings a pull down. There's the add in settings pull down. I'll press enter to open it. Enable message virtualization E. And here's enable message virtualization. So just press your enter key. Menu closed. Screen closed one of 13. Back in the Windowwise control panel. Now I'm going to use Alt-Tab to return to the Microsoft Outlook window. Inbox Webinar Outlook. Task switching. Inbox Webinar Outlook. Task switching on selected list. Okay, now that I have enabled message virtualization, I'm going to arrow down to one of the messages in my message list and open it. And Windowwise should 
virtualize the message and automatically read the contents of the body of the message. Unread from Mark Solomon subject Xon conference. Unread attachment from Mark Solomon subject Windows keyboard shortcuts reset. Let's, re let's go ahead and open this message. I'll press enter to open it. Hi, please find attached to this message a document containing many of the popular Windows keyboard shortcuts. Enjoy the GW Micro Team Bottom. This message has been virtualized and Windowize read the entire body of the message. And then once it reached the end, it told me that we've reached the bottom. Now let's learn what the hotkey is to display the attachments dialog. You probably heard that this message has an attachment. So I'm going to press Control-Alt-A as an attachment to display the attachments dialog. And once again, this is a feature of Outlook Enhance. Control-Alt-A. Attachments to Windows Keyboard Shortcuts dot docs size 24 KB list view one of one. Dialog attachments. The attachments dialog is now open and I'm placed in a list containing all the attachments for this particular message and there's just one here. And what you would do is you would select the attachment that you want to either open or save using your arrow keys or first letter navigation in the list. Just use those standard list navigation techniques. So by default, since there's only one item here, it's already selected. And I'll press my tab key. Open L button. And here's the open button. So if I just wanted to quickly open this attachment to review it, I could choose that button. I'll tab again. Save as. S and if I wanted to save the attachment to my computer, I'd use the save as button. And I'll tab two more times just to show you the remaining buttons in the dialog. And then we'll go back and try to save this attachment to our desktop. Delete D button. Close button. Okay, so you've got delete and close. I'm going to shift tab to move backwards in the dialog to find save as. Delete D button. Save as. And I'll activate the button by pressing the space bar. Space. File name Windows Keyboard Shortcuts dot docs combo edit box. Dialog save attachment. This save attachment dialog is not something specific to Windowize. This is a standard Windows dialog box. And it has the same features and controls as a save file dialog that you're going to find in many other Office programs and in many other places in Windows. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but by default, the file name will already be provided for you in the file name edit box. The one tip I'm going to provide, because there's many ways to complete a task here, is I can use the address bar in the dialog to verify the location of where it's going to save the file, because some people get themselves in a little bit of trouble because they save the file without first checking where it's going to be saved to. And the nice thing is once you choose a location, it should default back to that location. So unless you need to change it, there shouldn't be a whole lot of work to do here. But since I'm not positive, let's go to the address bar using a shortcut. And it's Alt-D, just like it is in a web browser, to go to the address bar. Alt-D. D. Address D desktop combo edit box. And Windowwise tells me desktop. So if I were to not change any of the options here and activate the save button, it would save this file with the default name to my desktop. If you wanted to save it to a different location, this address bar has a couple of nice features. You can either type in the path if you're old school, maybe a DOS user, C colon backslash in the path of the folder. Or you can also use popular names. So I could type in documents here. I could type in downloads. And Windows would recognize that. And it would also give me suggestions. And Windowwise can read those suggestions. So a very helpful um, feature of these dialogues is the address bar, so I'd recommend you learn how to navigate there with Alt-D and how to use it to choose a location in case you need to 
save your files to a different location. We're all set here. We've got the desktop as the location. I'm going to activate the save button and instead of tabbing there, which would take me a few tabs, I'll use the shortcut Alt-S as in save. S. Save as. S. Dialog button. Dialog attachments. Attachments and name size. Windows keyboard shortcuts. Dot docs. Open L button. Default save as. S. Dialog button. Delete D button. Close button. Windows keyboard shortcuts. HTML. Okay, so I'm out of the dialog, back in my email message, and I've saved that file to my desktop. And just to prove that it's there, I'm going to jump to my desktop with Windows key D. D unselected list view 5 at 14. I'll press W for Windows Keyboard Shortcuts. That's the name of the file. W, W, Windows Keyboard Shortcuts dot docs 14 of 14. And there's the attachment we saved to the dialog. Okay, let's go ahead and wrap up our demonstration by closing this message and learning how to create a new message, inserting an attachment and sending it. So I'm going to Alt tab back to the open email message. Windows Keyboard Shortcuts HTML, task switching. Windows Keyboard Shortcuts HTML. I use Alt Tab to get back there and I'll press Escape to close the message. You could also use Alt F4. Now I'm going to Alt Tab back to the main Outlook window. Inbox Webinar Outlook. Task switching. Inbox Webinar Outlook. Re okay, so I'm back in the main Outlook window. Um, one thing that I didn't cover specifically um, that I do want to point out is once you open an email message, so let's take a quick um, step back here. Before we go to composing a new message, I want to point out one other important feature of being able to read emails with WindowWise. I'm going to open up another message here. Here's Unread one from, from Mark Solomon, subject Xun Conference. Me about the CSUN Conference. I'll open it by pressing Enter. Xun Conference 2014 Final Reminders Updates HTML 15 links, 9 headings. Hello Conference. And I'll just interrupt speech because I don't want to have time to read the whole email. And I want to point out another aspect of being able to read an email message. And those are the email headers. So question 10 in the study guide asks, what are the email header fields available in Outlook 2013 messages and what are the windowwise hotkeys used to read them? And the answer is there's the from header and you can press alt1 to verify who the message is from. From Mark Solomon markgwmicro.com. The date it was sent with alt2. Sent Friday, April 11, 2014, 12:33:02 p.m. And I'm using the numbers on the number row here. Alt 3 for the to field. To gwmicrogmail.com. Alt 4 for the cc field. Cc. And it didn't say a particular email address because there are no carbon copies here. The bcc field is Alt 5. Bcc. Same there, no bccs. Alt 6 for the subject. Subject Xon Conference 2014 Final Reminders Updates. And then Alt 7 would take you to the attachments or the attachments dialog. And then Alt 8 for the status if the message has a status. So these hotkeys can be very helpful in case you want to quickly verify any of those particular details in an email message. And question 11 asks, how do you move focus to the from field in an email message so you can copy the sender's email address? The trick is to use the hotkey for the particular field and press it twice. So the first time we'll read that particular email header and the second time we'll move a cursor up there so in case there's text you want to read or copy you can do that so I'll press alt 1 twice to move to the from field from Mark Solomon from Mark Solomon Mark GW micro.com read only edit box so now I'm in a read only edit box that contains all the text in the from field and I could use my cursor keys I could select the text and work with it um, and that's something you might find yourself needing to do and that's how you can do that pressing alt 1 twice will first read with the first press and then move you up to that from field with the second press. Okay, that wraps up our 
our demonstration of reading emails, let's go ahead and then finish strong by composing a message and inserting an attachment. I'll press escape to close the message. Inbox webinar outlook. Back in our message list for our inbox. And question 12 in the study guide asks, what are the Outlook keyboard shortcuts for composing and then sending a new message? You probably all know this one already, but Control N will bring up the new message window so you can compose a new message. I'll press that now. N. Untitled message HTML to rich edit. All right, and jumping ahead, once I'm ready to send the message, I can do so either pressing Alt S as in send or by pressing Control Enter. But before you send a message, you obviously want to address it, add a subject, give it a body, and if necessary, insert it an attachment. And we'll do all of those things right now. In the To field, I'm going to go ahead and send this to my buddy, Jeremy. J-E-R, Jeremy Curry Training, GWMicro.com. And I didn't even finish typing his email address, and Outlook provided a list of email suggestions that match what I've typed so far. And if you hear WindowWise announce a suggestion, and it matches the address you want to use, just press your enter key and it will select that suggestion and autocomplete the rest of the message. I'll do that now. Or I should say autocomplete the rest of the email address. Now I'm going to tab down to the subject. CC Rich Edit. BCC Rich Edit. Subject U Rich Edit. And I'll type in H E R E space I F space T H E space A T T A C H M E N T. I'll read it with current line control numpad 5. Here is the attachment. All right, so my subject is here's the attachment. Section 1, J-E-R-E-M-Y, comma, T-A-I-S-P-I-S-P-M-Y, space, T-O-S-P-I-S-P, period, M-A-R-C. Go to the top. Jeremy. With control home, I'll do a read to end to verify the text that was written here. Jeremy, blank, this is my to-do list, blank, mark. And now I'm going to insert an attachment. And the last question on the study guide worksheet asks, what is the sequence of Outlook keyboard shortcuts used to activate the attached file item found under the insert tab of the ribbon? And the answer is Alt N followed by A for attach and F as in file. So I'll try that now. Alt N. N. Ribbon tabs insert pane. A. A. F. F. File name and combo edit box. Dialog insert file. I'm now in an insert file dialog. Once again, this is a standard Windows dialog that you should be familiar with, but if not, um, it's something that you want to practice using. I'm in the file name edit box. And just like before, I'm going to use the address bar because I want to select a file that's on my desktop. And I need to verify what location this dialog is currently pointing to. I'll press Alt D for the address bar. D, address DC users mark documents combo edit box. So right now it's looking in my documents directory, but I want it to look at the desktop. So the address, the current address is selected, so I can just start typing my new location to overwrite it. I'll type in, start typing in desktop. D, E, desktop one, suggestion, desktop as, one suggestion. And as I mentioned, this address bar gives you suggestions, and after I typed DE, desktop is the only suggestion left remaining. So to select the suggestion, I can just press down arrow to move it into the list of suggestions. Desktop, desktop. One suggestion. It selected that suggestion and it's auto-completed the address. I'll press enter to Desktop select it. Button. And now I'm going to press Alt N to quickly jump to the file name edit box because I know the name of the file I'm looking for is to-do list. So I can go to the file name edit box with Alt N. N. File name and combo edit box. I could have tabbed and eventually got there, but the shortcut key is much quicker. And I'll start typing the name of the file I'm looking for. T. 
to-do list.txt. One suggestion. T, window-wise, read me the suggestion. Now down arrow to select it. To-do list.txt. And pressing enter should activate the default button here, which is insert to complete this process. Here is the attachment message HTML. If I press Alt-7, attach t-blank to-do list.txt 808b. That reads the attachment header field and tells me that that attachment is attached. Now I'm ready to send it by pressing Alt-S. S. Inbox webinar outlook. Red attachment from Mark Solomon subject sunk. The message is sent. I'm returned to my message list. And that completes our demonstration for the introduction to Microsoft Outlook 2013 webinar. At this time, I'm going to stop desktop streaming. I'm going to unlock the microphone and come back to the group to see if there's any questions that we can try to help answer. In the sun was a question. Go ahead. This may be kind of out the demonstration, but if you have multiple accounts in the uh, the Outlook program and uh, you want to send a message to a different account other than the one you're perhaps in, is there a way to actually quickly change? Uh, the account that you want to send a message from, I hope that's understandable enough. I, I definitely understand the question. Um, the way that my Outlook is configured is I only have one account per profile. So one option is you can have a profile for each email account that you have. And that way you can choose the profile and it's going to use that email address. But if you only have one profile and multiple email accounts set up, you're exactly right. When you compose a message, there will be a field in that message that allows you to choose which email account you want to send it from. And I don't know off the top of my head the exact steps to change that, um, but I believe I heard that one of our users, uh, Chip Orange, put together a Windowwise app that might enhance the access of that particular feature. Um, so I don't have all those details here. If I don't have Alec configured to demonstrate it. Um, but that's a very good question, and I know it can certainly be done. So maybe we can kind of take that offline or look at that in the next webinar. Kenneth, thanks so much for that, that question. Um, we do have a question coming in from the text chat, and I'll go ahead and read it. It asks, how do you turn mouse on or off with Windowize? And it says, narrator is shift plus NL. Well, I'm not quite sure when you say turn mouse on or off because the mouse pointer is always displayed on the screen. That's just the native behavior of Windows. So there's not really a way to turn the mouse pointer off. Maybe you're talking about a specific feature of Windowwise relating to, to mouse hotkeys or, or the verbosity options for what's read when the mouse pointer moves over it. So maybe if you can try to clarify that question, I can try to help answer it. But in Windows, you don't turn the mouse pointer off. It's always there. Can you try to help clarify that? I'm going to go ahead and release the microphone and see if uh, there's any other questions or if we can get some clarification on that last question. Mark, I might be wrong, but uh, I believe what they're looking for, or the, what they're looking for is like the review cursor in, in NVDA versus the regular cursor, and I and basically they're they're looking at what would be like the review the what is it the WE cursor versus the uh, mouse pointer. And so I think that's what they're referring to. Thank you for that insight, Walt. And this is one of the challenges when you're coming from a different screen reader, you've kind of learned things in a much more complex way. So to try to elaborate, window-wise doesn't change the way the mouse pointer works on your computer. The mouse pointer is always there. And if you move the mouse pointer, whether you're using a touchpad, a physical mouse device, 
or a windowwise mouse hotkey, windowwise will read what's underneath the mouse pointer. There is a, another way to read the screen using the mouse without actually moving the mouse pointer. And that's using what Walt referred to as the Wii cursor. And you can toggle the Wii cursor between the mouse pointer and Wii cursor by hitting numpad minus. That's a toggle between using your mouse hotkeys to move the mouse pointer or the Wii cursor. So if you wanted to be able to use what MBDA calls the review cursor, it's just a matter of learning how to use the mouse hotkeys and window wise to move the mouse pointer around the screen to do the same thing. If you want to be able to perform those types of reading commands without moving the physical mouse pointer, you would enable the Wii cursor by pressing numpad minus and then use those same mouse hotkeys to move that quote unquote invisible cursor around the screen to read with the Wii cursor. Um, I hope that clarifies it. Um, and then I guess just to kind of round out that subject, there's also a cursor that Windows uses and that's something that you normally control through your keyboard. So for example, when you're pressing your tab key, um, as you're moving through a dialog box or you're arrowing through a list, there's a physical cursor that you can manipulate. And that's something that you also control um, using your keyboard. And some people who are started use the mouse to move that cursor around. And WindowWise, of course, follows that cursor at all times as well. Um, so then the question added, I'm partially sighted and can run the mouse over items and it will talk the item or news article. That's exactly right. That shows you that WindowWise reads what's underneath the mouse. And you can turn that off if you don't like it in the verbosity settings or under the mouse node in WindowWise, um, but that's a default behavior. Yep, so Jeremy pointed out that in the WindowWise control panel, you go to mouse and then voice, and you can turn that on or off. So hopefully that answers your question. That's a very good question and, and a very interesting concept. Obviously it doesn't relate directly to Microsoft Outlook, but we're here to help. So I'm going to go ahead and release the microphone to see if there's any other questions about Microsoft Outlook 2013 and Window Eyes. Mark, I'm a AT instructor. If you apply the Outlook enhancements for Window Eyes, if I stop teaching the Window Eyes and I'm going to another screen reader, will the Win Outlook enhancements affect the other screen reader? The Outlook Enhance app will only run when WindowWise is running and Outlook is open. So if you're not using WindowWise, the Outlook Enhance app will not be running. There is an add-in that is installed in Outlook by the app, but once again, if WindowWise is not running, it will not be using that add-in and that should not affect the behavior with other screen reading products. Thank you for the question, Ernie. Here's another question that came in via text chat. If I purchase the Office Home Student, and not 365, can I still use WindowWise? Not 365, but the home student for 139 one-time fee. The answer is yes. That version of Microsoft Office does make you eligible to take advantage of the offer for users of Microsoft Office. So absolutely, no problem at all. We got you covered. Are there any other questions out there before we wrap up today's webinar? All right, well, next time we're going to cover a few more advanced features in Microsoft Outlook, including the calendar, contacts, email management, and other topics suggested by our users. Um, just to review, if you want to get a recording of today's webinar, it will be posted soon to the webinar archive. And if you want to get the study guide worksheet or the hotkey reference guides, that's all there in the archive. And the ad address there is 
www.gwmicro.com slash webinars. And just want to remind everyone that if you need some individual help, we do offer one-on-one remote training services, which a lot of our clients really enjoy and benefit from. So contact us if you'd like some one-on-one customized training. We also uh, conduct training classes in group settings around the country, so be on the lookout for a training class in your neck of the woods. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in today, and we look forward to working with you again soon. That will conclude this week's edition of ACB Radio Mainstream's Main Menu. We hope that you have enjoyed the program and that it has been helpful to you. If you have any comments about this or any other Main Menu show, or if you have suggestions for things that we should cover on Main Menu in the future, please don't hesitate to get in touch with us. You can find all of our contact information on our website at http colon slash slash mainmenu.acbradio.org. On behalf of David Tanner and the entire Main Menu production team, I'm Chase Crispin thanking you for listening to this week's Main Menu, and we look forward to seeing you right here on Main Menu again next week. In the meantime, have a great week, and thank you for listening.